This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ Central Festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. Right, I think we'll start. Nice to see you in this beautiful hot day. Thank you for coming. Um, we're going to pray to start with, and then uh, I'm going to introduce uh, the topic, and then I'm going to ha- hand over to my good friend Austin Hamoncarlo, who's going to take the bulk of the seminar. So let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, the real world and the real need for food and the real need for a livelihood uh, in uh, rural Africa. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for our brother Austin, who is leading this work. And we pray, Lord, that you would um, cause us to grow in faith and uh, in our desire to partner and contribute uh, to your, your work in rural Africa. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, to introduce myself, uh, my name is Nick Priggis, and I'm from Shrewsbury. Uh, I'm one of the leadership team of a church called Hope Church in Shrewsbury. Uh, and I've been a, a leader of the church uh, since 2011, uh, having moved up from Brighton. But my life before being a church leader was international development, and I spent uh, 20, 20 plus years uh, in, uh, in international development, working for different development organizations, traveling re- regularly, and living in Africa, particularly uh, the Horn of Africa, Sudan, Somalia, Kenya, Ethiopia, uh, but also going to West Africa as well. Um, so I have a real interest and passion for the nations and particularly for Africa. Um, and so it's not a surprise to me, really, that somehow God puts a, an old part of one's life together with a new part of one's life and seems to use your experience and your vision and your passion uh, in a way which is for his glory. So I'm just really delighted to be able to introduce Foundations for Farming uh, and Austin. The, the problem uh, with... Uh, our world is that poverty is everywhere. Today, uh, today I went to a, a seminar uh, on austerity, and as a local church, we see we have our own food bank, and we have uh, all sorts of outreaches. Uh, we're very uh, absolutely committed to serving uh, uh, our local community and those who are, who are who struggle and who are poor. But actually, that poverty really is relative. It's real, but it's relative. And what we're talking about today is absolute poverty and a type of poverty which is life or death. Uh, It's a different category. And we need to, without being denigrating UK-based poverty, we have to understand that this is different. This is absolute poverty we're talking about here. 70% of the population of rural Africa plus live in the rural areas. There is a movement to urbanization. There is a movement towards the cities. We have mega cities in Africa, but 70% plus of the population live in the rural areas. That means that, that, that by far the greatest percentage of the population are farmers, are subsistence farmers, which means what they grow, they eat. And therefore, if there's a problem with the crop, if there's a problem with the harvest, people do not eat. It's an absolute issue. It's binary, black or white. You eat or you don't eat. And so when we're talking about feeding the future, we're not talking about helping people with a type of luxury or, or, or with what they think is necess- necessary. We're talking about absolute life or death. So food security is absolutely essential. If we are to reach together on a mission, the majority of people living in Africa, the rural population, 
It's absolutely crucial to our mission, to the kingdom of God. This isn't some sort of specialism. This is central to the establishment of the kingdom of God uh, amongst the people of rural Africa, one. Two, the issue of climate change has changed the picture. Some years ago in Cockermouth, there was a, a big flood. Lots of people suffered. Lots of people lost uh, belongings. When there's climate change, extreme weather situations in Africa, it's the difference between life and death because it affects the crop, which means that people don't eat. So at, right now in southern Zambia, there is a famine. There's a famine because there's been a drought, which is a climate change issue. So again, when we're talking about foundations for farming, we're not talking about specialism. We're talking about something central and absolutely crucial to the kingdom of God being established in rural Africa. Thirdly, this is important not only for food security, but it's important for outreach in terms of church planting and the establishment of churches in rural Africa. How will the church be established and grow in rural Africa if there aren't resources to care for the poor, care for the widows, care for the orphans, and care for the pastor himself? We believe that Foundation for Farming is one way of creating a surplus, which means people grow more than they need to eat and therefore can sell. And they can sell in order that they might give as well as purchase items and send children to school and other necessities. And therefore, our response here in Devoted has to be flexible. In other words, we've got to be responsive to situations changing. Farming isn't a, a, a mathematical science. There are so many factors involved with farming, and Austin will, will tell you that. So many different crises that happen. So much perseverance is required. We need to be responsive, but we also need to work in partnership. The church that I lead is a small church, but together with other churches, four or five other churches, we partner together and we're able to support directly, year on year, a foundation for farming in Zambia. And on your chair, you'll have an opportunity to look at that, and we can talk about that at the end of this seminar. Let me introduce you to Austin. Austin uh, is a good friend of mine. Uh, I've stayed with him and I've worked with him over numbers of weeks when I visited Zambia on two occasions. He's a man of integrity. I utterly trust him. He's an accountant, so he's good with detail and figures. When I get a budget from Austin, I know it's absolutely spot on because he is an accountant by background. But he's also a farmer. So when he comes up to speak, unlike uh, me, I'm, I've, I grow a few vegetables, but Austin's a full-on proper farmer. So when he speaks, he'll speak out of his experience and out of integrity. And he's also a church leader. So bringing and leads, or has recently led five or six churches uh, under Joseph Mueller's uh, leadership, or apostolic leadership. So he, he puts all these things together, and he's able to bring an authenticity to what you're about to hear. Austin uh, is absolutely committed to discipleship. So we're not seeing Foundations for Farming as just a methodology. It's a way of life. It's a way of life based on biblical principles lived out. Austin's going to share, that, uh, share with you some of those thoughts. It's about using God's resources well, and it's about giving into the kingdom. Austin's going to talk about principles, the performance, problems, and plans for the future. So can I just invite you to welcome my friend Austin. Good afternoon. Uh, again, as been said, my name is Austin Hamankolo. Most of the people call me Hams because uh, in Zambia we don't call each other by the first names. We go by the surnames. So my name is Longa. 
They call me Hams. Uh, I'm coming. Let me have the next clip for Zambia. Uh, I'm coming from the Copper Belt province, somewhere around here. That's where Kitwe is. And we're working mainly at the moment in southern part of Zambia, where there is hunger. Uh, just after Livingston, you've come to the border, somewhere between here, and we're coming from Kitwe. As we do the work in Zambia with foundations for farming. Uh, before I continue, we'll, leave, we'll have a clip with the founder of Foundation for Farming, uh, Brian Audrey in Zimbabwe. He founded in 1978. So just have a clip from him, then I'll continue from there. Our research amongst families in rural areas of Zimbabwe has revealed that you need a very small piece of land to be able to sustain yourself with your food requirements for a whole year. When you ask a family in the, in the village how much maize they need per week to feed their family, the answer we generally get is a bucket that's between 17 and 20 kgs. That would feed a family of six for a week. So we came up with the concept of a plot that would be able to do this for a rural household. We realized that a bucket of maize is generally can be filled with 56 decent sized maize cobs. In other words, for a week supply of, of maize for your family, you need 56 plants. So this is how the Fumfudza plot was developed. In each line we have 28 planting stations and there's two plants per planting station. That means we've got 56 cobs in every line here. That means that line is only 16 meters long to get our 56 cobs, which provides enough food for one week. Right, so now we need food for a whole year. So our plot extends down that way, which is now 39 meters long, but that has got 52 lines in it at 75 centimeters apart. 52 lines, one for every week of the year. So the Fumfudza plot has 52 lines of maize, one for every week of the year. It has 56 plants in a line. And that small area, which is actually just one sixteenth of a hectare, one sixteenth of a hectare is sufficient to feed a family of six for a whole year their staple food requirements. So this means a rural family on a sixteenth of a hectare, 39 meters by 16 meters, that is, uh, makes sure that they are food secure for a year. It gives them opportunity to grow on the balance of their land other cash crops. The fact that it's such a small piece of land enables the farmer to do this Fumfudza plot really well. It can be done on time to a very high standard without wastage and it'll bring incredible joy. 
the fact that it's so small allows you to do put your top management into this. It means that even if you have a dry spell, you can keep it alive even with buckets of water. So the high being faithful with little means that you get rewarded with a year's supply of food. Now, generally we try and do too much and we battle to do it well and then we end up with poor yields. But off this little plot you can get between 800 and 1000 kgs of grain which is more than sufficient for a year's food supply for the average rural household. So the Fumfudza plot, 39 meters by 16 meters, one sixteenth of a hectare is sufficient to feed your family. What we would recommend, however, is that you rotate it with a similar sized plot of soya beans so that the rotation, the soya beans are, are able to uh, put nitrogen into your maize for the next year. Rotation is very, very important. So in actual fact, with two one-sixteenth of a hectare plots, the family can feed itself and then it has a cash crop of soya beans to supplement their income as well. And then you swap them every year, you just rotate them. So that means on one-eighth of a hectare, a family has fed itself and it has a small income of the soya bean income. That means the rest of their land they can use for other cash crops or livestock or any other endeavor that they feel that they should do. So it doesn't require an awful amount of land to be able to feed a family and consequently it doesn't need an awful amount of land to feed a nation. Our from Fudza plot, the inputs that are required for this plot, if you were going to buy inputs and if you were going to use a hybrid seed, the inputs for that plot is 50 US dollars. So actually a family can be fed for 50 US dollars per annum. Furthermore, if a family can graduate on to using organic fertilizers, i.e. compost and using an OPV seed, you can actually feed yourself for zero dollars and just your labor input. We have many of these examples in the field and they are working. We have very elderly widows who are able to manage this plot and feed herself and others around her. We have school children even who are able to come and manage this plot after hours, after school hours. It doesn't require a lot of labor because it's so small and it can be done at a very, very high standard. And those high standards translate into decent yields, which means you do have enough grain to feed yourself and your family. You see, God would have us be faithful with little, and then He expands, then He adds, as in the parable of the talents. If we are faithful with the first resource God gives us, which is our little plot of land, He will then add. If we are unfaithful, however, He takes away. So we need to be faithful with whatever plot of land we have and we are able then to feed our families but this can extrapolate into a huge revelation to feed an entire nation. Please come and find out more about our Fumfudza plot. We do hold free trainings on this up in the, coming up to the rainy season but it's an amazing way 
of being able to feed your family and feed a nation on very small pieces of land. Contact us if you have any thoughts or any uh, would like to come and see it for yourself. We're always open and we'd love to share this technology with you. about is a traditionary, I have the next clip, thank you, that's a maize. Traditionally, this is the maize that most of the farmers would grow. And you need 150 cobs of this to fill a bucket like this one. And so ideally, we want to move the farmers from growing these cobs to growing these cobs. This is for my farm. So we, we're doing it on our farm, it's workable, but it's a journey. And in this journey, that's where we need everyone of you to come on board to help us on this journey. And on this journey, before we get to helping the farmers to grow this maize, we want to disciple them. And so we are using Foundations for Farming as a two-way thing. One, to empower the farmers in their food security or the poor rural farmers. Even me, I'm not too poor though. So every farmer can adopt this even on a commercial basis. You need slightly more labor. But we want to help the farmers want to grow and be self-sustaining in the food security. And we are using Foundation for Farming as a tool for discipleship, which has been proved to work very well uh, in the areas that we have been operating. So in using uh, this as foundation for, for foundation for farming as a discipleship tool, the, it's just the way we're teaching the people to come to growing this maize. And so before we reach to where we can help them and teach them about growing the maize to grow to that level, we will pass through them with the principles of foundation for farming. And we will start... Every building needs a foundation. The stronger the foundation, the better the building will be. If the foundation is very weak, then even the building, what you put on top of the foundation, cannot be held. And so we need a very strong foundation. And our foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we bring the farmers, we introduce them first thing to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because without Jesus, we can do nothing. And so they need to come to a position where they accept Jesus Christ and recognize Jesus Christ that he is the foundation. Even as we do farming, the foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. For everything that we are doing, we are dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a building has pillars. We have the pillar of faithfulness. We're teaching the farmers to be faithful. Faithfulness is a very cardinal thing in farming. Faithfulness is a very cardinal thing in our daily living. And so unless the farmer is faithful to do things the way we are teaching them, then they are not going to accomplish what to, to get that type of cob of maize. So they need to be faithful in how much fertilizer they are going to apply, in how much uh, manure they are going to apply. They need to be faithful at what time they need to plant. We don't, we don't need to be there for them to be faithful. 
And so in applying that, those principles, we are also bringing them into church. That these people, we need to be faithful in our church, in our giving to church, faithful to our family partners, faithful in whatever we are doing. So we use it as a tool for discipleship to help people to be faithful. And the next pillar is the pillar of giving. We need to encourage people to give. For the maize to grow to that level, you need to feed the maize. If you don't give the fertilizer the right quantity of fertilizer, you don't give the right quantity of manure, you don't do the right things, you are not giving to the soil, the soil will not give you anything. And so there's a principle of giving. As the Lord Jesus said, give and it shall be given. For with the same measure that you give, it shall be given unto you. And so the people, we are encouraging them to learn to give to the soil so that they can go, they are going to have a good harvest, a good yield. If they don't give, they will not receive. And in the same vein, then we encourage them to start to give also to communities, to start to give to the church, and to learn to give. Fortunately, in Africa, giving is a way of life. Uh, when you are in the villages, especially, when you move around, even when you're hungry, if they have something, they always offer you. But however, our giving towards the church is very poor because our early missionaries, when they came, they were giving to the people. When children wanted school, they gave them school fees, school uniforms. Everything was given to our older generation, like my generation. And so we are trying to change the whole mindset that you, when you go to church, you are not only going to receive, but you must also give. There is a partnership. And so we're training the people and teaching them to start giving. So in the, when they start giving, then there will be abundance. They will receive. And so whatever we're doing, when we have the proper foundation, we are faithful in what we are doing, and we are giving, we are assured of getting a proper abundance. And so, but for these things to work well, we need to do things on time and re-encouraging and teaching the people as a discipleship too that they need to do things on time. The rain season has a particular time when we are going to have the rains in Zambia particularly. And so if you miss to plant on time, then you have missed, you not get the yield that we are talking about. And so we need to we train the people to start to, to, to do things on time, plant on time, do the fertilizing on time, do the weeding on time. Everything must be done on time. We must keep the time. There is no Zambian time. Unfortunately, with the rains, you don't have African time. When the rains come and you miss, you have missed the opportunity. And so we're helping people to learn to keep time, keeping time at church, keeping time wherever there's a meeting, we are encouraging the people that we need to keep time. It's not only for farming, but they are learning also through farming that when they miss the opportunity, they will have missed so much because their yield will not be good. The other friends who may have planted on time, they will see the difference between their crops because of doing things on time. We're also encouraging people that we need to keep high standards. Uh, foundation for farming is very demanding. Uh, it requires very high standard of doing things. We, like Obren was showing, we are planting 60 centimeters by the plants, 
and seven, 75 centimeters on the rows. So we, we keep that standard. And when people are planting, they do the holes, they must do the proper hoeing holes. They must put the manure that we need to put in that hole. They need to put the lime that we need to put in that hole. So there's a very high standard. We don't just get that maize because it's the foundation for farming. You do anything you want as long as you use the name foundation for farming. So we're encouraging them to keep the high standards. And so in the same way, we're encouraging them as well that in life we need to have a very high standard of doing things, not only in farming. So whatever we are doing, we need to keep a very high standard of doing things. We teaching on wastage. We don't have to be wasteful. In our culture, when you have a lot of yield, you can cook any time, you can have so many meals. And so we're helping people that these, there are 72 lines that are supposed to feed six, uh, six, a family of six people. For 52 lines, feeding a family of six people for the whole year. So one line per week or one bucket per week. And so it means if you are wasteful, if you are just cooking anyhow, throwing leftovers anyhow, you are six, but you are preparing a meal for ten people, or you are three, three people are out, and then because you are saying it's a family of six, you continue to prepare a meal for six people, you are not going to make it. So we're teaching on people not to be wasteful as a discipleship tool. And so not being wasteful even in other things that they are doing, that we need to know how to conserve things, how to keep things, how to conserve our resources uh, in areas they don't need to cut trees anyhow because they have nothing to do, you go and start cutting trees. And so the main areas when we are teaching, we have a, a discussion with the people. What are the areas in which we are wasteful and how can we help? one another. What areas, how can we keep our standards high? How can we keep things on time? And then when these things are done well, they will give joy to the farmer. You have a good yield and you rejoice and be very happy with your yield. And so after we have taught this as a basic tool or a discipleship tool, then we will move on now to the conservative farming which uh, we've got a lot of conservative farming in Zambia, and uh, a number of groups are doing the same. What is missing with Foundation for Farming? The advantage is that we are taking this as a discipleship tool. The other organizations don't teach these things. The main organizations that are helping farmers to do potholing as a way of farming because of the climate change. However, the difference is that they are not using it as a discipleship tool. They don't teach this thing. So they go on straight to minimal tillage or no plowing. So which we encourage in people when we're doing conservative farming that we, you don't till the land. We do potholing and you only use the land that you are going to plant. The rest of the land we will leave it and then we do the mulching. And so we do the mulching. We do not burn. We do not clear the land so we Take advantage, we are not wasteful because we clip uh, the mouth and then we are also doing crop rotation as Aubrey has said. 
So this basically is what we're doing and using these principles uh, to help our farmers. And we have proved that this is working. Let me have the next clip. So in the last season, we had 22 farmers. We're training, like I showed, in southern province, uh, Choma and Skounsge, which is closer to Livingstone. Uh, we gave 22 farmers the inputs and in Mapanza and 16 farmers to Skounsge. And then three trainer of trainers. We've got trainer of trainers. We've trained people. Who are, who are training the others as well. And, and like this year, we're planning again to have another plan, uh, training for trainer of trainers. And so we do the preparation of land right now. September is coming. September, October, we start, or August, September, October, we start the land preparation so that we are going to do things on time. Because our rain season normally would come November to January, February if it is late. Uh, like the previous year, we had rains in February, but it's a, a late planting season. So we normally plant between November and 15th December should be the last day. So ideally, we encourage people to plant on time in November so that by 22nd of December, our maize is knee-high. So if the maize is knee-high in December 22nd, that's when we have the longest day and the best sun. So the maize that is knee-high by that time will have a good yield. So we normally do the planting in November and do the weeding in that period. Our harvest period is in April and May, uh, depending in which area one is. Uh, this is one of our farmers, that's myself there, in a proper attire. <laughs> and uh, that's one of our leaders, TOTs, in, in that area. But this area is not potholed. This is the traditional way what they are doing. We'll see the ones that we do for potholing. And so we are ideally encouraging this is the way we need to do our farms. This is the preparation that they do. Of course, we still have some people. This is our traditional method uh, of doing things. And the, so we're trying to bring a lot of mindset. It's, an, it's a journey. Because in our tradition, men do the plowing. The women do the weeding and the rest of the job. So as a man in our tradition, you just go do the plowing and you rest. And so you find to, to, for the ladies or the women to weed a bigger portion like this one, it takes ages. By the time they get to the other end, the other where they started, the grass would have grown high. And so that's why this method of foundation for farming, you are doing a smaller portion, 16 meters by 39 meters, it's affordable, it's doable. Even myself, I'm able to do a portion of 16 by 39 on my own because at my age, I can still manage. At my age, I cannot handle the plow now. It's a, it's a heavy duty job. It's for young men, strong uh, young men. Older men like me now, senior citizens, we are 
moving away from there. And this is one of the fields uh, this year when Nick came. We went, you, these are pumpkin leaves, they go in the, inside the field. Uh, we've gone, Ben is in Mukoshi under foundation for farming. He's our key team leader for all of our groupings that are doing foundation for farming in Zambia. There are a number of other groupings that are doing foundation for farming. And Ben, they are doing a research center because of the climate change. Ideally, in Foundation for Farming, we do the mulching. We put the grass, when you plant, you put the grass so that you retain the moisture because of the uh, climate change. So when there's a less rain, because of the mulching, then the moist is retained. And by the retention of that moist, then it helps our crops to continue growing even when you miss rain for two, four, five days. You still have something. So they are doing a research, and now they're encouraging us to do the, what we're calling as cover crops. A cover crop, beans, pumpkin leaves, and so on, those that are going and spreading under so that they will help to maintain the moist. They are not taller than the maize. They, just, they may creep, but they will basically cover the soil so that it helps us. Uh, this is another field. That's Nikki. Uh, that's our pastor for Mapanza area and uh, the TOT in that area. And so we had gone to, to visit. Again, we can see the, that same maize we looked at was planted, she planted very early, that lady planted very early. And these are late planters. And you would note that even if this maize looks like this, they are yield would not be happening, and you can see the difference. So the advantage of planting air with the air rains, what we are teaching on doing things on time, makes sense to the areas, even for themselves, amongst themselves. They see sense when we talk about doing things on time. Uh, yeah, this is the lady. This lady, uh, like I said, in our area, men... Normally, even when we are doing foundations for farming, there are very few men who are getting involved. This is one of the men because of what this lady is doing. The wife, after seeing the results of the previous year, the man joined the wife uh, to do the foundations for farming, which has been a very encouraging thing. This is the yield for that lady. And here we're just showing that uh, because of the climate change, after we visited the area in January, second week of January, uh, a week, two weeks later, there was a drought and we didn't have any rains. The whole of uh, the latter part of January, February, and my, until now we haven't had rains in this area. So there was a drought that is that what that lady harvested, not much but she did that harvest because she planted early. The rest of the people in these villages, they don't have anything. You'd go almost 200 kilometers without anybody having harvested anything similar to this, but because she planted early, she was able. So this is the effect of the climate change. Uh, people had planted the things that they, 
the crops withered as they were waiting for the rains, something they couldn't help. So the crops withered. There's been the effect of the climate change. So 2018-2019, what are the positives? Uh, the negative first. The negative is that a climate change that has caused a crop failure. So there was a crop failure in the whole area that we are covering in southern province. Uh, it's a disaster. To, for Akwa, yeah, it's a disaster. But there are positives. The positive things are that more people have, have adopted the concept of foundation for farming and are appreciating, in spite of uh, the weather change, the drought and the climate change, people are appreciating the concept, they are embracing the concept. Uh, people are also responding to the Foundation for Farming as a discipleship tool. Last year, we went and met with the leaders and taught the leaders the, as a discipleship tool. And so the results have been very encouraging. The attendance has uh, improved in terms of time. To us, if you are late for one hour at church, it's not being late. So, but now, people are being punctual at church because of that teaching that we had with them. In spite of the climate change that the people don't have much, but the giving has improved to a greater level. So we can see that these are the positives because of what we're doing in Foundations for Farming as a discipleship tool. The plan for 2019 and beyond, we're praying that we can increase the partnership and ownership by broadening the foundations for farming. One, through training more farmers in northern region where the rainfall is regular. Are you able to give me uh, our map for Zambia? And so we want to train more farmers on the Copper Belt and in Central, because in this area, the rainfall pattern is still favorable. This southern, western, Lusaka, and parts of eastern province, the rainfall is very bad. That's where the climate has affected us most. But central, the upper parts of central province going this way and coming to the Copper Belt, we have good rainfall. So we plans that we want to move foundation for farming uh, onto the northern region where there's the regular rainfall. We're praying that the rainfall continue to be good in northern region. And so we've got some churches, churches that are under Cross Central in these regions. And so we, they are already uh, also in rural areas. They are doing some farming. And so we've not introduced foundation for farming in this region. So we will planning that in this year and years ahead, we can introduce uh, in that region more farmers. And also we are agreeing with the northern region farmers that we Foundation for Farming Training and Facilitation will be marked by their input and their labor. And so we're doing a partnership with them. And like in southern, southern we've been training them and teaching them and supplying them with the inputs. But we are partnering with these farmers, they are already doing something. They are already fishing. And so we are already, we're just going there to improve their fishing methods. 
We don't need to give them the nets. They already have the nets. They already have the canoes to do their fishing. All we are going to do in that area is to give them better fishing methods. And so that's the partnership we are having in that region. We'll go and facilitate the training and teach them how to do beta farming methods, foundation for farming methods. So we've got a number of churches that we intend to go and encourage. In the last meeting that we had, we agreed with the leaders, the leaders meeting when we had our conference, that we are going to do the trainings. And so they set the dates as soon as we have the budget. Next. So focus for southern province uh, is the water provision. First of all, continue with foundation for farming to train the farmers and give them the inputs if we can afford to uh, and support them because right now they don't have the seed. They don't have anything that they can put in the soil. So they don't have the resources unlike the people in the northern. So we're planning that we can continue to support them in the training and support them with the inputs in southern region. And then uh, do the water provision because it, at the moment there is a shortage of water. They've got to move distances to get the water. So th- th- these are basically the areas we want to reach uh, in Kabwe through one of our churches, the Christian Discipleship Center that is run by Casey, uh, Missions Outreach Church, the churches that I was leading uh, and overseeing, which are now being overseen by Evaristo Mwanza, uh, Despring churches that are falling under uh, Joseph Mwila, and then uh, part of Kitwe Barracks, another church grouping that is under, we're working together under Christ Central Churches. So these are the churches we're reaching out. And then we're going to do the the training, the trainer of trainers. We want to retrain the trainer of trainers with emphasis, particular emphasis on using uh, foundations for farming at the discipleship too. Uh, What we we have been doing is just helping farmers to use foundation for farming methods but not as a discipleship too. So we want to retrain our trainer of trainers with special emphasis on using foundation for farming as a discipleship too. And then we also want to support uh, the coordinators training of trainers in the new areas without inputs, and then the coordinators and the oversight monitoring. And so myself and Steve Nawa uh, would go when we train the trainer of trainers, they'll go and train the people. Then we'll just see what they'll have done with the people. So in Southern Province, we want to continue to do the trainer of trainers as well. Uh, in Mapanza, in Choma, and in, in Skaunzwe, we'll do the trainings and support the, the farmers. And we're looking also at Boho, because the water at the moment, the water situation is very bad. They move uh, four hours to go and draw water one way and four hours back to where they are getting water. So water is a, a big issue. It's one of the biggest challenges that we are finding now. It's not in the program, but because it has come, 
we, we need to look at it and see how it can be supported. And so we'll be having a five-day training in Kitwe for the trainer of trainers, and then hoping that we can support farmers, take more farmers in this coming season. So this is the type of bore. There's a bore that was sunk some years back, uh, two, years, uh, two or three years now, uh, by normal and team under commission in Scoundrel area, but it's southing and it's 50 meters down. And so the recommendation we have had is that we need 100 meters of boho so that we can get cleaner and good water. Yeah. Thank you. Over to Nick. Thank you. Let's thank Austin for that. Uh, thank you, Austin. I think we're just going to get take 10 minutes for questions on what you've heard. So does anyone have any questions for Austin, principally? Just wondered if you um, could explain, uh, again, what input, inputs are. What does that mean? Oh, sorry. Uh, the inputs that we are using uh, is the seed. Like uh, Adrian was saying, it's $50 to do that fibuza. So we need the seed. We need the fertilizer. Uh, lime. These are the best things that we need. The manure they will use from their crops, from the cattle that they have, or from the goats, or from the chickens. So those are the major inputs that we need. The seed, the fertilizer, and the lime. The fertilizer we use, urea, at the top, for the bottom, and top dressing, D and urea, two types of fertilizers. But the input to put together, they still at about $50, given the exchange rate, it still remains almost $50. Questions, please. I just wondered if either of you know whether uh, there's been any attempt to use farming for farm, foundations for farming in India, which is a, a very different kind of social and agricultural context, but still very agriculture dependent? Um, no, in, in other nations, like I said, we've got um, Brian Audren, they are moving in other nations, even some of the European nations, they brought foundation for farming. And, uh, but we are at the moment working with the Cross Central Churches uh, in partnership uh, amongst our churches. And like I said, there are other groupings in Zambia like in Baptist churches, they've got the Don't Trust that is working among Baptist churches in Zambia. So at the moment, we're working with the churches where we have our churches. Not, when we go in the area, we're not just basically training our church members, but we are training the communities where our churches are so that we can reach the community as well. There was a hand... Um, once before, I've heard a talk on this on the foundations for, for farming, and um, it mentioned the, the talk before mentioned about God's blanket. Could you just explain that, please? Okay, give me back the um, uh, God's blanket. Let's go back to the clips. Next, next, yeah, yeah, this one. 
The God blanket, this is the God blanket. God blanket is the covering, is the mounting that we do. And because of the drought, now we don't have enough grass. And so what we're using as the God's blanket, we're now using the beans or pumpkin so that they can help to, to subdue the other grasses and also to retain the moisture. So the God's blanket naturally is the grass that would put all leaves. But because of the drought, we don't have grass. And in the areas that we are dealing with in southern province, grass is mainly for the animals. So it would be criminal for someone to use grass for their fields at the expense of the animals. So that's why we're encouraging this method as God's blanket. There's a hand right behind you. My name is Anthony, from, originally from Zambia, and, uh, but born in Zimbabwe. Uh, we did come to southern uh, part of Zambia called Choma. Yeah. yeah, I was actually taken back, especially with the uh, drought situation. That was about six years ago. And uh, I'm just trying to think, what other crops do you recommend was since the, the climate change has happened in the, the different regions, in, even in Zimbabwe, you find there are some crops that do well in certain regions. And uh, with the persistent drought that is experienced in southern part of Zambia, what type of crops, I mean, for example, you have got cotton that can, you know, like uh, stand in terms of uh, being drought resistant. What are the types of advice and crops do you have within the uh, foundations of farming? Yeah. Give me the next clip, let's change. Next one, next one, next. Um, this, if you look proper, this is a millet. This is millet. I think that's the right word in English. Millet. And so we've been encouraging farmers. This is also millet. This is not maize. So it's, this is millet. Millet is uh, drought resistant. And so we've been encouraging farmers. You can see it's slightly greener. Uh, elsewhere we have been looking, the maize stalks are already gone. So it's too, it was slightly greener, but because of the drought, it was also affected. So in southern province, we've got millet, that is the finger millet and the normal millet, that is drought resistant, and they're now developing another maize variety, maize varieties that are drought resistant, uh, specifically for this area. But again, we are still looking at food security in terms of giving the people food. Uh, cotton would come in as a cash crop. We're encouraging them to grow groundnuts. They did grow ground, uh, plant groundnuts as well and uh, cow peas in these areas. But because of the drought, we couldn't even find anything of what they planted, except when it had come, we could see there was, the groundnuts were still green and the cow peas. So we're looking at those areas. So they, we're encouraging them. We're giving them also millet and groundnuts to plant as a, a resistant crop. Okay, time for a couple more. 
What are some of the barriers to um, growing the impact of foundations for farming and getting more farmers and um, just multiplying um, foundations for farming? Uh, one of the challenges that we are having is that we are training farmers, but foundations for farming, we're doing things on high standards, and we want to keep the standards. And so what we do in the first year, we give the farmers to do a six by six meters, two portions of six meters by six meters. When they have done well on that small portion, then we graduate them to do the 39 by 16 meters. So if they fail to do the smaller one, if you cannot be trusted in the little, who can trust you with a match? So we allow them to do those ones. And because of the high standards, and we want to maintain the high standards, because if we don't maintain the high standards, people think foundations for farming, method for farming, is as good as the other methods. It will fail. So we're trying to keep the standards We've trained actually more than 100 farmers, but the uh, people that have met our criteria, uh, those numbers like 40 last year, they met the criteria because we want to keep the standards. It sounds very cruel, but I think in discipleship, to disciple somebody, we need to keep our standards. We cannot compromise on the standards. So, But we give them six by six to start with. If they fail that one, we can... We keep encouraging them, training them with a trainer of trainers because trainer of trainers are in the local areas. And so when people catch that concept of doing well on a six by six, then we can graduate them. Add um, Farmers, I think, are naturally conservative and risk-averse. And so when you introduce a new method, methodology, they're very cautious, aren't they, to adopt it until they've seen it proven out. Mm. Uh, so it's a slow process, and, and actually Austin and the team are persevering year on year by year, uh, and we're finding that we're getting a toehold now as people are seeing, even in the midst of drought, that this is a more advantageous methodology uh, and system and discipleship awareness compared to what they're used to. But it's slow, I have to say, isn't it, Austin? Yeah, it's, it's slow. It's slow. Last question, perhaps. How far away are the farms from where they live? Um, not most of the farms are within the places that they live. They are not far. They are within. They, they are in the village, so their farm lines are just next to the door. They don't move kilometers to, to go to the, to the fields. They are just within. Yeah? Uh, we didn't put the... Some of them could have seen the, the houses. They're just next to the houses. Okay. So, w yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, now that you help them to have more, that, more than uh, they can eat, so I would like to know how financially it really helps the homes and the life in general, that they have what to eat and what to take to the market. How is their financial life? changing and maybe they embrace businesses? Their financial life has not changed because we have had crop failure. Uh, even in the previous year, they were able to harvest something for home consumption, 
but not to see them throughout uh, the year. Even in the previous years, they, in fact, when we started the program, we were giving them food relief. Uh, but we discovered that food relief was not the solution. We are giving them fish. We needed to teach them to fish, how to fish. And so in the last two years, this was our second year, we bred trust, helping us to just help the farmers, but we, unfortunately, the weather has not been favorable. So even for, for selling, except those who have planted, like that lady who planted pumpkins, they did well, so she was able to sell some of it, and most of it they, they stored for eating, uh, for consumption. So what they would do is cook the pumpkin, uh, mix with the maize, you just unshell the maize, mix and cook with together pumpkin, put some sugar and eat. Uh, it serves breakfast or lunch, and then in the evening you have a heavier meal. So, so one of the challenges with financial farming is that you still need an amount of rain. You still, at, at certain times in the growing uh, cycle, you need rain. And if you don't have rain, it doesn't matter how diligently you've done it, like you've seen in that picture, your crop will wither. Your, your, so even some of the stands of, stands of uh, maize that looked healthy when I visited, I came back thinking this is going to be very good. If you don't get any rain post-January, all the way up to today, then your crop will wither and die. You don't have any harvest. So the challenge for the people in the southern province, we're not giving up on them because they're the very people that we need to help, but we also have to prove financial farming works uh, economically in a place where there's more consistent rainfall. So we're doing both things now. And also, uh, what Austin said is that the key issue for this community because of climate change is the need for a sustainable water. Uh, and under, with, with the Zambezi Basin, there is a sustainable water uh, underneath the land, but it lies 100 metres down. We've, we've, other people bored, as he said, 50 metres down, found saline, only good for building construction and washing plates. You know, a waste, really. But now they're saying, the meteorologists, uh, the hydrologists are saying you have to go 100 metres down to hit yes. clean fresh water. So we're thinking that now because we don't want to turn our backs on the people of the southern province. We're going to do both, northern and southern province strategy. But we really need help. We're four small churches in Shropshire through a charity called Bread Trust, partnering with Austin and Joseph in, in Zambia for a rural strategy for Kingdom of God extension. But we can't do it just with four churches. We need a few more churches to get on board and say, we will give, we will pray, we will want to connect. But we want to do it in a, in a what's the word, a coordinated way. So it's not just one or two churches individually, but we're coordinating because we can, and as we say, we do more together than apart, but we do things organized in a coordinated way so that our money is invested wisely, to see what I mean, and effectively, we hope and pray. So that's why we've put this on your, on your chairs. So, Austin, do you want to say anything else in conclusion? Um, no, I think we just need, if we need help, especially for the water, uh, because it seems this dry spell is continuing. If the... The forecast for this year, we will likely to have very little rains, but unfortunately our forecast system is very poor. It just gives a general view of the whole province. It doesn't specify the area, but generally the rainfall will still be bad this year. So, it, yes, Helen. Yeah. 
So the budget for uh, the southern province training of farmers and the northern province is £10,000 approximately. Okay, And that would be to train... Can you put the slides up? For the plans... Not done. Fine. Yeah, thirty. So thirty farmers, thirty farmers, and if you uh, and if you go up to the northern province, so we're going to we're going to actually train uh, about twenty farmers in the northern province. But that will be in year two because the, fir the first thing is to do a demonstration plot in those four church areas. Okay. So the reason for if you go down to sa uh, the B, please. The reason for the ex the reason why it's so expensive is because Zambia is a huge country, and our expertise, because it's in Makushi, which is in the north, and Austin is from the north, uh, Austin and Steve have to travel vast, um, uh, uh, vast distances in order to coordinate, monitor, because we haven't quite yet got a, hot, uh, a foothold where we can say to local trainers, you are the people now who monitor, you are the people who coordinate. We're not quite there yet. So that's why it's, it's an expensive work, because it's to do with transport, it's to do with uh, making sure that uh, Austin and Steve travel three times a year to, at crucial periods to make sure that the standard is high, which is one another reason why we want to push the project north as well. That will reduce the cost. But the total cost is £10,000 plus £10,000 for a borehole. But that borehole, that figure is tentative at the moment. Oh, you don't need it. Any, any other questions? Dr. Hander? Good question. Uh, ideally, if we had the resources and the money, we would need three boroughs. Uh, one in Mapanza uh, and two in Skaunzwe. Skaunzwe is wider than Mapanza. And so we would need three boroughs. Asking which is your priority to give if you have only one borough of Skaunzwe. Because Skaunzwe at the moment, uh, some of them are doing, like I said, four kilometers to and fro. Uh, they're covering a distance of something like 24 miles, so 15 kilometers, 24 miles to go and draw the water uh, from the river that is still having some water at the moment. And we don't know where this may take us. So to me, between the two areas, if we had only one ball, I would give it to Mapanza. If we had to Skaunzwe, if we had the resources, then I'll do one for Skaunzwe, one for Mapanza. If more resources do the two areas for Skaunzwe and one for Mapanza. And Austin, do you want to tell the people very briefly, what, 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 how would you utilize the water from the borehole in terms of farming or market gardening or whatever? So the idea is that the type of borehole we're looking for, uh, it, it, it will need to be solar-powered with a, a 10,000-litre tank so that they, they don't do 100 metres to do a hand pump is too far. So to need a solar power, a tank, and then 150 meters away from the bore, we'll do a trough where the animals will be, drawing, will be going to drink the water. And then on one section, we intend to fence it off and divide it among the villagers to do the gardening so that when they do the gardening, they can be able to sell the vegetables. They are on the highway 
to Namibia, Livingstone Namibia Road. So the, in terms of market for the produce, is there because it's on the highway. So th that's the idea of the type of boho we're looking at that will cater for both domestic and livestock and do gardening and so it will be mud purpose, it's uh, solar powered and the solar power panels will be up so that nobody will, ta will tamper with them. So that's brilliant. So if, if, we're, if we're interested, if you're interested in the kingdom of God and apostolic extension in rural Africa, farming is absolutely crucial, like I said. It's crucial to the church, the life of the church, extension, church planting. If you're going to church, plant a church, you have to plant a church in a rural area based out of farming, based out of the land and off the land. And the, and the best way to do that is utilizing something like Foundations for Farming. So we are looking, really, for churches to engage with us. Martin Charlesworth is the chair of trustees of Bread Trust. This isn't just a Shropshire thing. We're really looking for partnership with churches to, to, to coordinate, to give, to pray, in order that we might really effectively put a stake in the ground in Zambia and say, we have established Foundation for Farming, which we know works because it's worked in other places like Zimbabwe. And it has worked sporadically in Zambia. But we want to give it, keep persevering until we push through and find and give you and be able to provide you with Good, good, better stories. I, I wish we could say to you, oh, this is what's happened. But we want, we don't. We're not going to do that because we want to be absolutely honest and say this is persevering, this is hard work, okay? Because there is a huge issue in drought and climate change. So uh, my prayer is that someone here or numbers of you here who are representing churches would go, pray, think, advocate, and come back to me and say, look, we want to be part. We want to make a contribution, not necessarily financially, but in terms of your prayers and your commitment that we would hold hands with Austin and Joseph Muller in Zambia. Is that okay? Will you do that? Will you pray? So I don't know, Austin, would you pray for us uh, and pray for this work? Should we pray together? Thank you, Austin. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you. I honor you for an opportunity of sharing what is happening in Zambia, in particular Foundation for Farming, the community that we are serving at the moment. And thank you for the dear ones who have come. They have heard, and I'm praying that God, as they go and they think over, they'll make a commitment in one way or the other to support this work in prayer, financially, in any other way they can support, oh God, even though that may want to come and see what is happening, may you give the resources that are needed, oh God, that together we shall work in partnership to accomplish that which we ought to do in our season, oh God, to help those that need help in our midst and in our rural churches, oh God. Thank you, oh Lord, for this partnership. Thank you that people can come and listen. And so I give you the glory, the praise, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we just uh, make the most of this opportunity to pray for you mm. together. Lord, we just thank you for Austin and the work that he's doing. Mm. Lord, we pray that you would give him uh, great grace as he spreads this message. God, that you would, um, Lord, give him uh, a fresh uh, encouragement and uh, boldness to go back and continue, Lord, even though 
uh, in the southern provinces, it's been so difficult for the farmers. It must be so demoralizing for them, God, uh, because they've tried everything they can to make it work. So, God, we pray that as his team goes down to them, Lord, that they would bring encouragement, that they would bring blessing, Lord, that they would bring uh, greetings from us, uh, and, uh, Lord, that they would know that they're not on their own, Lord, that we are championing them, uh, Lord, at this end, as it were, Lord, in prayer and in encouragement and uh, also in finance in the, in the way that we can. God, would you uh, break in? Uh, into this situation. Lord, we pray for great stories from uh, the northern provinces and the farming there. God, we ask that people would take this up quickly. Mm. Uh, Lord, that they would be able to demonstrate, uh, Lord, the effectiveness of this tool uh, that you've given us. Lord, we're so grateful for it, for Austin in stepping out in this area. Lord, we pray a blessing on him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's just say thank you to Austin. Thank you, Austin. So that's the end of the seminar. If anyone would like to come and talk to Austin or myself about anything you've heard about Bread Trust or the work more directly, please do. Otherwise, God bless you and thank you for being here.